You're listening to the Carl Jackson Podcast. Available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast. Hey, you want to hear inspirational music and talk? Download the CJC radio app right now in the app store. What are you waiting for? Download it now. It's been said that his legacy is complicated because of a sexual assault charge, which was dismissed in 2003, 2004. Is it complicated for you as a woman, as a WNBA player? It's not complicated for me at all. Even if there's a few times that we've been at a club at the same time, Kobe's not the kind of guy, never been like, you know, Lisa, go get that girl or tell her or send her this. Mm-hmm. I have other NBA friends that are like that. Mm-hmm. Kobe's, he, he was never like that. I just never see, have ever seen him being the kind of person that would be, do something to violate a woman or be aggressive in that way. I, that's just not the person that I know. But Lisa, you wouldn't see it though. As his friend, you wouldn't see it. And that's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I just, it's just, I just don't, I just don't believe that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying things didn't yeah. happen. Mm-hmm. I just don't believe that things didn't happen with force. Is it even a fair question to talk about it, considering he's no longer with us and that it was resolved? Or is it really part of his history? I think that the media should be more respectful um, at this time, it, it's like if you had questions about it, you've had many years to ask him that. I don't think it's something that we should keep hanging over his legacy. I mean, he went to, it went to trial. Yeah, but the case, is, it was dismissed because the victim in the case refused to testify. So it was dismissed. And I think that that's how we should leave it. Welcome to the Carl Jackson Podcast. This is the last episode, season finale of season three. Season four, we're going to be in studio recording in front of uh, hopefully a studio audience. I'm still trying to figure out if I want to do that, a studio audience, but we definitely will be in studio and you will be seeing um, the video or television portion of this podcast on the CJC network. I was going to try to do that for season three and I just, my time didn't permit for me to really map it out properly. So we just said, you know what, we're going to do season four in studio. And of course we'll still be, um, releasing the audio portions on Spotify and Apple iTunes and all the other places you get your podcast. So don't worry if you don't want to watch it or if you can't watch CJC or if you're not able to get CJC, never fear because you can still listen to the audio portion. Um, but having said that, this is a season finale and I wanted to talk about a couple things today that was on my chest. Um, we're going to talk about Kobe and his passing and the Gale King incident and I opened the show with those snippets because it's important that you know that this show ultimately will be about the Gail King Kobe Bryant incident but before I get into that I want to talk about Aerie Spears Aerie Spears and 
I also want to talk about uh, the prince of of uh, blackism, Mr. And I, I've, I totally have went blank, but <laughs> Umar Johnson. Sorry. Yeah. So I want to talk about Umar Johnson and Aerie Spears. So both of them were booked for the Carl Jackson podcast. Aerie Spears was booked over the summer and Dr. Umar Johnson was booked um, the early part of 2019. It's now 2020. And for some reason, I, I don't know what's going on, but for some reason, these two guests kept booking the time to do it. And then at the last second, they would either be no shows or just flat out didn't say anything, but they kept saying they're going to do the show. So after a while, I just decided I wasn't going to pursue it anymore because um, I have too much on my plate, number one. And number two, honestly, um, I don't want this podcast to be only about celebrities and them repeating themselves, saying the same thing over and over that you can just pick up on YouTube or someone else's podcast. So this podcast has always been about spirituality. Uh, but I wanted to address it because I had announced that they were coming and I normally don't announce stuff until after it was, it was recorded, but they were so convincing that they were going to do the show that I just assumed, okay, I'll just announce that they're coming. And I had planned on actually filming both of these guests. So I had camera crews ready and the whole bit and, you know, basically each one of them at least four or five times canceled or either just was was a no-show um and i wanted to address that because i i'm always seeing people talk about black on black and we should support each other and blah 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 and the truth is uh we should support each other as black people but sometimes people just say that but they really don't mean it what they really mean is they they're about themselves and they're going to go to the highest bidder if it's the breakfast club right now that's hot, then they'll they'll go there and put them priority. If it's the Carl Jackson podcast that's hot, then they'll go there because it's priority. And they don't really care about building any foundation for black and brown people. And I'm not trying to say that these two guys are fake or phonies, but I have a problem with people who just won't come out and say, hey, I don't want to do your show. It's not as big as the breakfast club, you know? or it's not as big as Vlad. So I don't wanna do your show. Uh, or it's, it's I like what you're doing, but you know, I just don't wanna do your show because I don't like you. I mean, it could be any reason why someone doesn't do it. But these two jokers, I know it's because it's just not a hot show. My show is not in the top 10. You know, my show's probably in the top, you know, I'm, I'm a specialty show, you know? So the people that follow me, which is thousands of people, they know me and they follow it. And, you know, sometimes guests feel like, well, if I do your show, I'm going to make your show popular and I'm not going to make your show popular. Uh, so I'll just I'll just put you on the back burner. But in the meantime, they're chasing the number one show like The Breakfast Club or they're chasing Vlad or they're chasing Comedy Hype because they think they're going to get um, a lot of gigs, they're going to get booked. And I get it, it's a business. But don't lie. Don't set up false interview dates. Don't call me and text me and be like, hey man, I can't wait to do it. And then 
the day of, you just a no-show. That's what bothers me. They're the only two celebrities that, that, that have done it. Everybody else that I've booked have, have done it. Uh, I talked about Verdine White from Earth, Wind & Fire doing my show. He's still going to do it. Uh, but I wanted to use, I wanted to save him for, I think, a visual. So I said I wanted to move him to season four uh, because I think it'd be great to see him and I interact on video or on, you know, the actual visual visual presentation. So that's why I haven't um, made a big deal about um, Verdine because he, he was more than willing to do season three. But I just wanted to push into season four because I want it to be recorded. So he'll come to season four, maybe even season five. Who knows? We'll get it. We'll figure it out. Um, and to Aerie Spears and to Dr. Umar Johnson, you both are, are welcome to come on the show. But we will talk about this on the show. If you come on this show, we will talk about all the times you guys set it up and then canceled or set it up and were no shows. Because I think it's important that we stop playing to the camera, saying stuff that we know makes us look like we pro-black or we care about people or we care about, you know, the African-American community. But at the end of the day, you know, it's just some of it is just a show, in my opinion. They say things and say things to make you think that they really care about the black and brown people when the truth is they're just, you know, they have a business and it's okay. It's okay to have a business. No one is stressing that you shouldn't have a business or that you shouldn't promote your business. But when it becomes a situation where you're, you are saying one thing, but you're doing something else, I have a serious problem with that. Don't play with people's times. Don't play, play with pe people's budgets. Um, Aerie Spears has been known to complain about uh, how he's not getting a fair shot. Well, maybe it's, maybe it's based on how you're treating people. Dr. Umar Johnson, the same way. He's always talking about the black people won't help him build a school. Well, maybe you need to care about the black people that you are asking to give you money. You know, stop pandering and start giving. Stop pandering and start caring, you know, which brings me to the Kobe Bryant incident. Um, it's tragic that we've lost Mr. Kobe Bryant and his daughter. I can't even put into words how much it affected me. I'm not even a sports fan, but I think this Kobe Bryant incident and tragic loss is probably, I would say it probably hurts more than the Michael Jackson uh, death. Now, let's, let's be honest, Michael Jackson was a tragic situation. And I actually went to the Staples Center the night that they had his I guess you can call it wake, kind of a public wake, if you will. And I went that night and I met this wonderful white woman who just came up to me out of nowhere and started talking about Michael and how much he connected up, connected all of us. And we talked for hours and literally the next morning we we sat and had pancakes at IHOP and we, we literally talked all night, went to have breakfast and then the next morning we went our separate ways and um, I don't think I've ever seen her again. I mean, I, I might've talked to her a couple times, but I haven't seen her since. But that was the impact that Michael Jackson made on our culture, on the world. So I, I dare not make it seem like Michael Jackson's death wasn't uh, a real situation. Um, 
But this situation with Kobe uh, is a little different. And it's different because um, he lost his daughter. And I heard a report today, I don't know if it's true, but this, when they found the remains, I'm hearing that he had his daughter in his, in his, in under his like shoulders, or I guess he was surrounding her with his arms, trying to basically protect her. So imagine you being a father and you see what's about to happen and you're doing everything in your power to make that moment for your daughter not be as as disastrous as you know it's getting ready to be. I mean, you have to imagine he probably was scared in the process, but his daughter was probably even more afraid. Um, so to see that happen and to, and to imagine that um, moment and for people to hear that over the airwaves really just makes this Kobe Bryant death I'd say more impactful than the Michael Jackson for blacks, I think. Now, again, it's not to to make a negative or shed a negative light on Michael Jackson. His was just as bad, but this is a little bit worse because Kobe died with his, some would argue, his favorite daughter, you know? Um, and so that that's just like a real, ugh, Gut which gut gut wrenching, and when I heard about it, I cried. Um, but I think you know, I, I didn't cry as much when I heard Kobe died. But when I heard when the, when it was, was when it was a later reported that his daughter was in the helicopter, that was like, oh, that just broke me down. I was literally at um, getting my daughter, <laughs> believe it or not, I was getting my daughter. A burger from a place called the Habit Grill, and I was standing in line, and I had just heard that his daughter. Uh, well, actually, I hadn't heard yet, but I had heard suspicions that his kids were in the helicopter, and I was talking to this white lady in front of me that was ordering food, and we were just kind of in shock. You know, everybody was just in shock. You know, nobody would, could really believe what they had just heard. But then when I got back in the car to take my burger back home to my daughter. That's when I read on, I think it was TMZ that, yes, it was true. One of his daughters was in the in the helicopter and I just, I just lost it. Cause I could think about my daughter. What if it was her uh, in that plane ride? Or what if it was a situation where me and her had died together? That's just like such a scary and troubling thought and it just it overwhelmed me so it it really touched my my heart as as well as the rest of the nation and the world um so having said that and I've set it up pretty well I for the life of me can't understand why Gail King would do what she did on the CBS uh interview um and I you know look the bottom line is people are going to have opinions about the situation. The majority of us feel like she, Gail King was out of line. She had no business even bringing up that situation. And I heard um, Snoop Dogg say something that's very 
very, very interesting. And he said that, you know, what people don't realize is that there are people who are now 18, 19, 20 years old who had never heard about that uh, incident that happened in 2003 where he was accused of rape. So they're just now hearing about it when they watch an interview, you know, that Gail King does. And so, and I, I didn't even think about that, but it's a good point. Like, why would you bring something up that a whole generation may or may not even know about, you know? Um, it's very sad that Gail would do that. And my take on it is this. I think that Gail and Oprah have been given marching orders to take down African-American male legacies. It's pretty obvious when you look at the R. Kelly situation, which, by the way, I do think R. Kelly is guilty, but that's another subject for another day. Um, when you look at Russell Simmons' documentary that was about to happen before Oprah decided to not do the documentary, which I think was a smart move on her part. And then when you look at um, the Michael Jackson accusers interview that Oprah did for HBO. And then you add insult to injury, <laughs> now Kobe. I mean, it's pretty obvious that someone is giving them marching orders. But my problem with that, or my concern is, I don't think Oprah and Gail understand how much those marching orders will affect them. You see, the way it works is this, is, is it's like this. We'll set you up so that all of you guys can fall. But they have to play it in a way where you don't know, the enemy never plays his hand where you know what he's about to do. He always plays his hand in a way where he thinks he's your friend. And then once he has gained your trust, then he surrounds you with the enemies. But you don't even know they're enemies yet until it's too late. So they're still giving you these marching orders and they're making you feel like you're part of the family. Oh yeah, you're our token blacks. We love you. Do what we say and we'll keep loving you. And like dogs, some of us, not all of us, but some of us go, okay. <laughs> and to me, that's what Oprah and Gil have been doing. They've been for so long, as some would say, shucking and jiving, that now they can't even see that they're surrounded. They can't even see that they're next. They can't even see that they have totally eliminated all the people that at one time had their back. Think about it. Bill Cosby is in jail, and now the black community are against Gail and Oprah, the majority of us. We, we, we now are not on their side. So imagine this. Imagine what happens when you are surrounded by the enemy and nobody will help you. Nobody will come for you. Nobody will save you because you've alienated all of your life force, your life vests. All the, all the things that you would depend on are now gone. 
That's what I think they're doing to Oprah and Gail. So this thing is bigger than you can imagine. I think they set her up with that interview. Of all the clips to choose, you've gotta know that CBS knew that clip was gonna cause controversy. The man's not even in the ground yet. He's not even dead. Meaning, it's so fresh that people still in their minds can't even believe he's dead. So he's not even in the ground. He's not even officially buried. But you you choose that clip of all clips? Picture this. Let's imagine for a second that Bill Clinton died. And then before he even has his funeral arrangements finished, someone asked Hillary Clinton, uh, Hillary, can you talk to us about the dress that has the stain on it when, when Bill Clinton cheated on you? Can you talk to us about the impeachment of Bill Clinton, how that made you feel? Can you imagine? There's no way they would allow that to happen. Or imagine if someone had asked George Bush, Bush Sr., best friend, and I don't know who his, who his best friend was, but let's just imagine for a second that he has a best friend and that his best friend was still alive. So imagine someone interviewing him, this best friend, and asking him, hey, can you tell us about what you felt when the Iran-Contra scandal broke and we found out that Oliver North and George Bush Sr. was selling arms to the enemy for profit? Can you imagine that question being asked before the funeral arrangements? And then the clip is posted all over the news, all over the world for the world to see, of, of a, let's say, a two-hour interview. But that's the clip that they choose. You can't tell me that CBS did not know what they were doing. I think they did it to set Gail King and Oprah Winfrey up. That's my that's my take on it. And the question never would have been asked. Let's be honest. The question would have never been asked. So let's just say Gail is right and CBS told her to ask these hard-hitting questions. She has a moral obligation to tell them no. He's not buried yet. That's too soon. Let's ask these questions after the fact. Let's wait, you know? Or let's just say that, <laughs> for argument's sake, Gail came up with these questions and she has, you know, final cut or final say over her, her list of questions. Well, again, she had an obligation and a moral obligation, and I say obligation, I use that word loosely, but she had a moral obligation to say, you know what, I'm gonna use wisdom. I'm not going to, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ask that question. That That's, it's too soon. Um, the case never really went to trial in a way that I can speculate what he did or didn't do. And, uh, you know, let me just, let me chill out. Let me, let me not talk about this. Let me let me let me just keep this nice and positive and let's keep this, you know, in a in a great atmosphere. Um, 
people of LA, I'm, I'm out here in, in Los Angeles and San Diego, and the people out here are sad. They're very sad, you know? So to bring that up at a time that people are trying to stay positive, it was just a no-no. You just should not do that. It's disgusting, it's wrong, and um, I just, for the life of me, I can't understand why this would even happen. <sighs> Finally, let me just give a shout out to Lisa Leslie. Let's, can we give her a hand? Let's give her a slow clap because she handled the question with such grace, such dignity, such poise. I mean, integrity. There's so many words I could use to describe Lisa Leslie. She just totally, I'll be honest with you. If someone had asked me that question in the way that Gail asked it, uh, I, I don't think I would have been as calm. I think I would have turned Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I would have been cussing. Or maybe not cussing, because I try not to live my life by those standards, but you know what I'm saying. I would have been very, very upset. And, but she handled it so sweet and so loving and so nice and so thoughtful and so, I mean, I couldn't even imagine being pushed. I mean, Gail literally pushed her after she asked the question. Then she's pushing her saying, hey, but you know, you're his best friend, but you don't know Kobe, what he does when he basically when he's not around you. And quite frankly, um, the witness didn't testify. So that's how he basically got off is basically what Gail was trying to say. Basically, Gail was trying to say Kobe was 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 guilty. And but to see Lisa Leslie totally keep her cool, stay calm. And basically read Gail in such a sweet way. She just basically said, hey, I think um, we should let this go. You know, this is not something we should be talking about. He just died. You know, I think, you know, he's not here to defend himself. No one was asking him these questions when he was alive. So let's just keep it where it's at. It, you know, let's keep it where it's at. But let's give her a round of applause, man, because she, Lisa Leslie was just such a beautiful soul to even attempt to try to answer that question, but then to answer it with such peace and love and, and thoughtfulness, I can't even put it into words how much that made me have so much respect for her. And, and to be honest with you, like I've said at the early part of the show, I'm not even really a sports fan. So I don't really, I don't know if I did say that at the beginning of the show, but I, th I think I did. <laughs> I'm not really a sports fan. Like I'm not really, I'm not a diehard sports guy. You know what I mean? Like I, I'll watch the playoffs. I'll watch the scores. I'll watch, you know, the Super Bowl. but I'm not one of those avid. I got to watch every game. I've got to, you know, get home and almost have a wreck because I have to see the beginning of the game or I've got to go to the grocery store and buy a bunch of food and have friends over like I'm not that guy you know 
Um, but this has made me look at Lisa Leslie in such a positive light that now I want to watch um, her career um, and just her next moves in life in general, even though she's a sports celebrity. And, I, and again, I'm not a sports sports person. So, um, yeah, this is my take. I think Oprah and Gail are being set up. And I think their their days are numbered. They've done all the hard work. They've literally single-handedly brought down every uh, black powerful person from Russell Simmons to Bill Cosby to R. Kelly to Michael Jackson, who's dead. I mean, my God, the man is dead. And you're still talking about him? So, and, and let me correct it. I don't know if they actually broke down broke down Bill Cosby but they have been very vocal that they believe the victims clearly with R. Kelly so if they believe the victims of R. Kelly I'm sure they believe the victims of Bill Cosby so their 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 hands are just as dirty so I think that they've done their job and now they're going to try to turn or they will turn on Oprah and Gail and the sad part about it is no one is going to be to their rescue. See, the people who made Oprah famous were rich white women and high, and white women that were housewives. Housewives that are, you know, white housewives, basically. But that was, you know, eons ago. That was years ago. I mean, I was a kid. I was a baby when Oprah was at her popularity. That was eons ago. Now Gail is 65 and Oprah is close to that same age or around the same age. They're done with these guys. They're done. They've used them. They're done. It's just a matter of time. Just a matter of time. And I think that's what really hurts the most is that they, you know, you, you think people are smart. But sometimes I wonder how smart people really are that they would allow people to set them up, that they believe the hype so much. I mean, and Oprah's had many wake-up calls from the time she went to the um, some store in Paris and they didn't let her in because she looked like a homeless black woman. And I mean, she's had several wake-up calls. I can't recall every last one of them because I'm not, again, I'm not that much of an Oprah fan to know every move, but I've, you know, I've heard the stories. We've all heard the stories. So she's had plenty of wake-up calls. But for some reason, she still didn't get it. But now she will. I think Gail's numbers, Gail's, Gail number is up. And I think Oprah is right behind her. So what is the moral of this final podcast for season three? The moral of this commentary is we have to, as black males, care about each other. We have to care about everybody, but we have to care about ourselves first. If we don't love ourselves, we can't love everybody else. And as much as people dog Snoop Dogg for saying the things that he said about Gail King, the truth is, there was a part of me that was righteously happy 
righteously happy that he did that because it was out of defense. It wasn't out of, I hate Gail. It was more about, I'm defending the voiceless. I'm defending the ones that can't defend themselves. It's time to stop. And sometimes you have to knee-jerk people into reality for people to get it, that enough is enough. You can only do so much negativity to to our people, especially our, our black males, before we as black males have to say, time's up. Time's up. We're already getting it from corporate America. We're already getting it from police brutality, not me, but some of us. We're already getting it emotionally, financially, spiritually. We can't have our black sisters turn on us. It can't happen. Enough is enough. I think I've said everything I wanted to say about this subject. So glad that all of you have been listening to the podcast, season one, season two, season three. I can't wait to come back with season four later in the year, 2020. Until next time, be blessed. Hands still fastens me 